Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Uh, there is a, a scary day coming up, and I know uh, people feel differently about it. Uh, some feel like uh, they're going to participate, and some uh, feel like you're not going to participate. Uh, I actually uh, think no matter how scary it is, we all should vote when it comes time. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, really, we are, we are uh, having a little fun this weekend. And uh, as we are, it's interesting if you look at costumes. There's actually a website, HalloweenCostumes.com, and they said the number three seller are actually political costumes of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump only behind pirates and witches. And so, uh, pretty interesting this year. Uh, you'll have the little kids, little pagans come bake for candy. And uh, it's fun to uh, just get a little uh, time out. Now, as we are in this series, what I want to do is I want to end with that time out portion of life where we would uh, take time away from work. We've looked in these first few weeks at one, how to have 360 success at work. That, that's not just a North American Christianity ideal. That's a biblical ideal that we would be productive and that's what God wants for us in all aspects of our life. We looked at dealing with conflict at work. And then we uh, considered as well uh, how we find our fit. Maybe if you're rebooting your life in your career. As we consider this, the, the passage that we've looked at is actually from the message paraphrase. And if you'll take your outlines out of your program, uh, I want to look at that together. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God for, does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Now, as we look at this, some of us would say, you know what, I'm doing actually pretty well. Uh, I'm doing well at, at balancing work and home and, and all of that, or integrating it however you would want to talk about it. Others of us, you would say, hey, you know, uh, I'm not doing so well. And I know it. Uh, you might feel there's no way out of it. I believe that there is. There's a way to uh, really honor God and our, our families and the relationships we have. And some of us, I think some of us just aren't aware all the time of where we find ourselves at. Uh, we can be a little bit deluded uh, in, in not, not a bad way, not because we're evil. It's sort of like uh, I visited my mom. My mom was in the hospital. She's doing better now. Uh, but she's, you know, she's 84. She's lost her sight. She's completely blind. And she has a bunch of health problems. So as I was visiting her, uh, she gave me a hug, you know, sort of a long mom hug. And then uh, I, I pulled away. And then she said, uh, let me give you a hug again. And then so she just hugs me up top and hugs me around the waist. And then she says, you put on a little weight, didn't you? <laughs> so uh, the two nurses are dying laughing uh, at this point. I'm like, well, you know, it was a good summer, barbecue, scones at the fair. And, and so I was faced with another decision. And the decision, am I going to do something about it? I haven't made a decision, but I'm faced uh, with that decision. And for us, when we realize where we're at, 
The next question is, what am I going to do about it? Well, where do we get in trouble when it comes to work and family? I think the first place we get in trouble is, number one, this is your first fill-in, is a lack of a plan. Uh, we, what is important in our life gets scheduled, right? You wouldn't have a, a meeting with a client that's significant or a supervisor or a shareholder or a business associate and not put it on your calendar. But I think one of the simple things is that many of us, we don't calendar time outside of work. And whatever is important is always on the calendar. Uh, that doesn't mean you're a bad person, but it does mean that we need a plan. Why is this so important? Uh, if there were books, I don't know if there were books written on uh, work and life 40 years ago, but if they were, they're completely irrelevant. Things have changed, literally, the change, you, you have to understand this, in the last 25 to 30 years, is as significant as when electricity was introduced in a broad way. The change is not small, it's seismic. Why? Because you used to what? Go to work. Uh, most of you, you don't have to go to work, do you? I mean, you have to go to work, but your work can come to you. Uh, any of you, now, I, I'm old enough to remember, any of you remember when uh, you got your first pager? Anyone remember that? You thought it was cool. You thought it was a gift. It was punishment, wasn't it? Because now your boss could get a hold of you whenever she or he wanted to. And then came the cell phone. And then uh, came email. And now you not only can get a hold of you, you can get work 24-7. You can have work to you. And so you need to make a different decision than people did 20, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, I mean, in ancient times, it was when the sun went down, work was over. We got electricity, we solved that. But then you had to be at work, and now you don't have to be at work. Work can come to you, and so you have to make a decision of what your schedule is going to look like. There's also unrealistic expectations. I think some of us, here's when it comes to work, we are very unrealistic about it. Uh, we, we believe our lives should be like the lives that are portrayed by some of our friends on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, those who are great at posting, they seem fun all the time, never work. There's always going to be a bit of a trade-off. And maybe we have a job that doesn't fit our family. I talked about that last week. In fact, that's an interesting interview uh, with Melinda Gates. Uh, as many of you know, she worked. She was, uh, worked at Microsoft and had risen up the ranks long before she married Bill Gates and uh, was talking about work and family, and uh, she said uh, that obviously it wasn't a financial issue, they had all the money that they needed, but uh, she enjoyed work, but realized he couldn't have the kind of job he had, and her have the kind of job she had. That it just would not be possible, they could outsource it to where they'd never see their kids, so she decided to stay home so he could uh, continue his career. And by the way, if you're in a responsible position at work and you know, you're traveling, you're doing all that kind of stuff, that's great. If you have a stay-at-home spouse, recognize you really could not do it without them. You couldn't do it without them and have good kids and have a good family, at least. So uh, that's, that's one of those things. Now, you both, uh, both may, may be able to work and, and navigate that and you're doing that fine. You just need to consider, is, uh, is this working for everyone in our household? And then uh, our functional priorities don't reflect our actual ones. 
we, we know that there's not enough time in, in the day to accomplish everything. Andy Stanley wrote a book a, a, a number of years ago called Choosing to Cheat. And he said that, you know, we, we'll all cheat somewhere. For example, if you're a stay-at-home mom with preschoolers, I bet you they don't feel cheated. They get all the time. They, and, and if you're a teenager, your friends don't feel cheated. If you're working outside of the home, probably your boss doesn't feel cheated. But uh, the people who aren't in those places where most of our effort goes can feel cheated. And so we need to choose who and what and where we're going to cheat. See, sometimes we're like, God, you just make up for it at home because I'm going to uh, go to work and I trust it'll all work out. Well, really, as we read in the scripture, uh, it doesn't necessarily. There's a decision that we need to make. Solomon, who was the wisest person who ever lived, and we've been looking primarily in the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes because Solomon wrote so much on work. Uh, today we're going to be in Ecclesiastes again, where uh, he discusses work and life. Two things you'll notice from Solomon if you read Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. One, he doesn't like people who don't have a strong work ethic. He's like, he's, he says, hey, you know, if you're not working hard and life's not working out, that's, that's really the situation you've created because God created uh, you to live differently. You know what else he thinks is foolish? People who overemphasize work to other important relationships with people and with God. So we see that he describes what I call the good life in Ecclesiastes 5, 18, and 20. He says, this is what I've observed to be good. This... Uh, that is appropriate for a person to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. And in that passage, in the broader one, you know what he's describing? A life without regret. He's saying people who are finding satisfaction and joy in their life and not living with a lot of regret along the way. Well, that's what we want but how do we do that? And that's what I want to look at is when work and life uh, collide. The first thing is to consider what your priorities are producing. Now, we all think of that in the future. Are we producing you know, finances and, and career advancement? But what are they producing right now? Here's the thing. If you have an uh, eight-year-old child, they're never going to be eight again. If you have a two-year-old, they're not going to be two-year-old again. If you have a 17-year-old, I have good news. <laughs> they're not, uh, they're, so, you, so you have these seasons that we don't get to live over again. And I say this, too, because I know there are people, and I've talked to people during this weekend, where literally marriages fell apart and all of that because of an overemphasis on work. And here, that is tragic, and I know you may wish you could have done that differently. That is over. And today, regretting the past will not fix today. And today is where God wants to be active in your life. Solomon says this, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. Are you getting the kind of life that you want out of your work? Well, each week we've been uh, talking to people uh, in the church. I've done interviews, uh, people in all sorts of, uh, from startups to, uh, last week we heard from Martha Highfield, Global Talent Director for Possible. And this week I want you uh, to hear from uh, a friend of mine. And, and we've had these 
conversations. In fact, we're going to have a conversation you're going to get to listen into. Someone who's been in the tech industry, I've heard there's a couple people here who work in the tech industry, and uh, sort of that, that journey of having a work life that works, but having a life that works as well. So I want you to hear from my friend Todd Dunlap. Well, I'm here today with Todd Dunlap, who I've got to know over the last number of years, and we're here in Todd's office. He's the managing director, the CEO of Booking.com for the Americas. I first got to know you, really, when uh, you shared with me some funny stories, I think that I used on the weekend, I did. You know, I'm uh, I'm a glutton for humor, and so uh, I kind of picked up that you might be too. And uh -huh. so, when some funny things hit my inbox, I knew the first person to share them with would be you. Well, I think the whole church thanks you that you saved us on a couple weekends with some great uh, humorous intros and stories. I do my best. I do my best. Well, I, I was going to talk about uh, your your faith background and uh, what that looked like for you over the years. Yeah, yeah, I came to know uh, Jesus when I was fairly uh, fairly young, um, uh, you know, in my late teens. Well, you you've been here at this company for how long? Uh, officially, it was four years uh, as of October first. And uh, what did you do prior to coming to Booking? Uh, I've uh, spent a lifetime at tech companies in the area, uh, some big, some small. So, uh, you know, 12 years plus at Microsoft. Uh, before Microsoft, I did other tech companies in the area too. Well, and tech is interesting, especially as it has to do with what we're talking about uh, today is sort of how we manage our life, how we have a balance or an integration or however you uh, call it with our work and our life. So. Uh, my guess is you've done that perfectly over the years. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really good topic uh, to talk about here and at home. Uh, starting back even to when my first daughter was born, uh, it was a time that I was doing uh, even more travel than I do today. Fly out on Sunday, uh, after church usually. Uh, you know, be gone through the week, fly back on Friday night, do my laundry on Saturday. And, uh, and again, that's when my first daughter was born. So she was about a year old. And I was on the road, I think it was in Austin, Texas, and I would call home every night, which is a routine of mine. And uh, I called and my wife kind of giggled and said, you'll get a kick out of this, but Hannah, that's her name, uh, when the phone rings, she says, dad, dad. So she's starting to associate me to the phone. So that was funny, and, and then it wasn't funny at all. And, and I realized that I needed to make some life choices, uh, and, uh, and that's the uh, time when I left consulting and went to, to Microsoft. And, and uh, that seems ironic that uh, going to Microsoft would be for work-life balance, but uh, work-life for me being, means being intentional. It, it means, uh, you know, the more that I work in high tech, the, the broader my role has gotten, uh, the more responsibilities I've taken on, the more intentional I need to be about what's uh, my priorities and what's important to me. And I have to, at the beginning of the year, because I want to say, these are things that I will not miss this year. These are family events, uh, these are personal events, these are things that I will block off on my schedule. And being able to set expectations up front. You know, I may, I may be at this meeting, I may not be at that meeting. Uh, I may be able to attend this event, but you know what? Uh, even last week I was in Amsterdam for a board meeting and I left it on Friday morning. I should have stayed till Friday afternoon, uh, but I left it on Friday morning so I could be on a flight to be home in time to make my youngest daughter's soccer game. So that, that, uh, that kind of potentiality and just being clear and setting some boundaries is important. With your wife, what are, uh, what are things that you do to 
to say, hey, I'm intentionally carving out time for her. So I'll give you just one example of something that we do now differently than in the past. She does yoga. Uh, I tend to like to be at the gym and either run or, or do weights. But those are different, separate, uh, right? And so what we've come to do actually more and more now, take a walk together. We'll just walk 45 minutes to an hour, bring our dog. Um, and it's uh, you know maybe not as vigorous as a run or even a yoga session, but it's time that we have together. And that's just family. So that's, you know, the other thing that I realized along the way is how important it is to take care of me. Um, if I'm not taking care of me, um, you know, I'm not the best me at home. I'm not the best dad. I'm not the best uh, husband. Um, and so it's not just about time because I need to be a good guy when I'm around. Otherwise, you know, nobody wants me around. So every morning I start the day uh, with devotional. And that's important to me because that puts me in the right mindset and puts things in context. Back to don't sweat the little stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I have context, I, 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 I can you know, keep myself in check around that. So devotionals every day in the morning. You were talking about uh, making time for you. And one of the things is uh, uh, early this morning, you were with a bunch of guys. And I was I there was. too. You were? In, uh, in a growth group. Yeah. And so you have a lot of things on your plate. Why, uh, why is that important to you? Wow, that's so important to me. Um, having a growth group, and, and I have the one from this morning that, that you were part of and reached out, which is great, and I'm glad that uh, we're doing it again. I have another one too that's tomorrow night that I've been doing since I joined Timberlake, uh, a couple of guys from the church there. And I tell you, I was talking to my wife actually after our, our uh, meeting this morning, just how important that is for me to have a group of guys that uh, you know, sometimes it's an accountability group, sometimes it's just a listening group, sometimes it's a group of people just getting, you know, getting together to learn something from each other, and I really value that time, and it's a way that, uh, yeah, I, I invest time to, to feed my soul too, so it's, it's great to be part of it. As you move on in your life, what are some things that, that you're saying, hey, I'm gonna make sure they're important to do in the season of my life? You know, 25 years of tech, is, has been invigorating and exhilarating and, uh, and other e-words, exhausting <laughs> and, uh, and other things. But I've learned a ton and, and so I guess, you know, I'm at a, a phase of life where I'm thinking about, you know, I come in every day because I want to have a positive impact on people. I think that a large part of my job is to lead by example. And by setting a tone and an example, it also creates curiosity in conversations that I've had through years that uh, I think are a, a, a comfortable way to share my faith in, in an environment that typically isn't known for a lot of faith, high tech. Yeah. So I, I appreciate what Todd had to say about, uh, you know, just some of the practices that him, that he does, but I hope you caught the faith component, that really there's this, what, what is God directing me to do? And I think this this is a little counterintuitive or maybe it's just not even on the radar at all but that our faith directs how we uh, deal with this area of our life and uh, that leads to point two is we need to move beyond a crisis faith where where we invite god in when things are not working out when our uh, teenager is sort of falling apart or our marriage our work is falling apart and we see that in the book of ecclesiastes Uh, Solomon says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come. He's saying make a plan that God would be present in your life. And I think for us it's important to settle that question. Maybe if you say, hey, I remember the time I said yes to Jesus. Uh, That's important. 
But where, where is God today? Maybe you haven't said yes to Jesus, and that's where it all begins. Where do you understand who, who he is and what he wants to be in your life? That, that God loves you. In, in fact, Jesus put it this way in, in Matthew 6, 33, we read in the Bible, it says, uh, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, God's kingdom, God's righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you as well. We need to decide, is he a, a symbol or is he the sustainer of our life? Uh, that's why uh, we, we would ask God, God, will you be here today and, and will, I, will you help me to take those steps towards you? I have pastors every once in a while ask me, uh, they'll say, well, how do you, you know, get a lot of people serving in groups? So, because we do fairly well. You do well on that. A lot, lot of you serve and a lot of you are in groups in, in numbers that are relatively high in sort of the church world and my my deal is as i say we don't really try to guilt people but just help people understand who jesus is so they can put him in his proper place jesus can be many things but he can't be second place would you put him in first place in your life i was reminded of this i was hanging out with a guy i just met not too long ago he actually pastors a church up in vancouver canada uh, and actually uh great church. Canada doesn't have a lot of big churches. They've grown from about uh, zero to about 5,000 last six years. And uh, his name is uh, Mark. And uh, Mark comes from a background, his family was pretty anti-Jesus. Uh, he became a Christian, still had you know, a lot of uh, things he was working through in his life. Uh, Mark, Mark has Tourette's, uh, which you can imagine is an interesting disease to have in general. But when you're a preacher, that can be uh, a big deal. I was sitting down with him, like, you don't swear during your sermons. He goes, just a little. And, <laughs> but he has an excuse. So, the, uh, but it really it sort of manifests more with some tics and, and those sort of things uh, due to some childhood trauma uh, that he had. A, a buddy of mine who was sitting at that table, we were talking about it because the church that's grown that big in Canada, of all places, uh, he said, in that suburb of Portland, or in Vancouver, sort of wealthy suburb, he says, what, Mark gives people a permission to be broken before God. And that's why thousands and thousands are coming, and more every week. Do you know that God gives you that permission? To come with things that, not all the answers, not perfection, but in your brokenness, he'll do something incredible, maybe even something beautiful out of it. That happens when we say, Jesus, I, I really want you, I'm going to take steps to, for you to be front and center. Mark, Mark was saying this too, it's, it's sort of interesting. Uh, he, he went to a Baptist Bible college, and he said he was a chain smoker, which in Baptist Bible colleges, they don't like that. And, uh, but he said, I didn't care what people thought, and uh, I wasn't going to change. And he said, until I met uh, this girl who he really liked, who later became his wife, and she didn't like to kiss him, because he smoked and he said that's the day I gave up smoking <laughs> and uh, he said because I knew I loved her more than this other thing see a lot of a lot of us we focus so much on that other, other thing we're trying to to do or not do instead of saying Jesus how can I fall more in love with you what does that look like today? Uh, Todd talked about, uh, you know, just a daily time with God, just praying, reading the Bible. If you've not done that before, start in, we'll give you a Bible, or you can get one online, down, uh, download one. You know our, our new app, by the way? Uh, 
if you haven't, like 750 of you have, have downloaded the app in the last uh, three or four weeks. So if you haven't gotten that, uh, that has a Bible on it. So you can actually read your Bible uh, on that app. Or when I'm preaching, you can text your friends and pretend like you're reading the Bible on the app. And so I uh, encourage you, if you haven't, you know, that's just one of those things uh, that you can do that daily time with God. Start with the Gospel of Luke. Maybe it's connecting with a growth group. Maybe it's baptism. Big deal. That, that's, a, that's a statement of faith where I say, Jesus, I recognize what you've done for me. And so just as it's commanded, it's actually a command in Scripture. It's not an optional thing. That, that we would identify with the death and resurrection of Jesus. If, if you've believed and not been baptized yet, I encourage you to do that. Now, people will ask this because we're having child dedications in a few weeks. And what's the difference between baptizing a child and an adult? Well, for a child, that's really more a, a, a dedication. That's not about the child's faith. Usually they're not repenting of their sins when they're three months old. Uh, but as an adult, uh, which all the baptisms in the Bible are of adults, that we... We identify with that. We don't, it, you don't have to say anything. We don't have you come in front of the church and confess all your sins, although that would be entertaining. Uh, uh, you don't have to pay anything. It's just that, that public step of obedience. And I'm encouraging, some of you have been putting that off. And really, there's no reason to put it off. Just say, hey, I'm going to take that step. Or maybe it's through, you know, we have, in November, we focus a lot on spiritual growth items, on our membership, or, or whatever. They're just something where you would connect deeper to Jesus. A symbol, but it really has to take place in our heart more than any place else uh, for there to be real change. And then there's also, th now this is a real practical part, is that we need to work smarter. Uh, that you can work all the time, and so we need to work smarter. I uh, uh, typed in in the internet, work smarter. I love this one I saw, uh, this turtle on the skateboard. Isn't that awesome? Uh, or this uh, mouse with the mouse trap. Now, that is amazing. Uh, uh, the donkey in the boombox, I like that one. I don't know what part of the world that is. And then look at this guy. That's a guy who's committed to not working very hard. Now, I'm having a little bit of uh, fun with this, but uh, there is there's an intentionality with it. H Henry Cloud, uh, I, I may have mentioned before, he talked about highest performers uh, with, uh, with companies. He, he consults for about a dozen Fortune 100 companies. And he said the very top performers, here's what they do is they are more intentional while they're at work than anyone else. They're engaged. They're not, you know, doing other stuff on Facebook all the time. But then they disengage when they're uh, at home. He said that the, the, the very top performers in a company will do this. It says this, Ecclesiastes 10.10, If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. For us to get the opportunity, quite honestly, to invest in our family, in our life, in our health, in our relationship with God, uh, this, is, this is the sort of just practical part. You have to actually be pretty good at what you do. Because when you're good at what you do, it provides more freedom for you to work in your schedule. And so maybe you're in a career that's not right for you. Listen to last week's message. Do something that's life-giving and good for you. Something where you can find a level of success. It doesn't mean you're going to be rich, but you, where you feel like, hey, you know, I'm finding some success 
in what I'm doing. I've had this practice. I've had it when I've worked in the church, when I've worked outside of church, uh, where I will always, and I've said this before, I'll ask my boss, what are the three things I could do that you would, if I accomplish these three things, you would say, you have done an amazing job. Because for some of us, especially if you have that little independent streak, you're like, well, I'm working on important stuff. It's important when your boss thinks it's important, right? Because they're going to decide your freedom, your promotion, your pay. And so that's just part of life, is that we work smarter because uh, how many of you have a billion tasks you could do at work? Yeah. Uh, do, do any of you get to the end of your work week and you're sitting around on Friday saying, actually, I don't have another thing to do. Don't raise your hand because your supervisor may be here and uh, you might not have a job. No, we'll always have more to do. But we just need to decide what we're going to do. And then we need to remember why you work. Why do we work in the first place? We talked about this the very first week. We work to uh, be productive, to make money, to find success, to share our faith. But also so we can have that time with those uh, that we love. It says this, Better what the eye sees than the roving appetite. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What he's saying is to enjoy your right now. Enjoy your right now in this moment before you get the promotion, before you get the different job. Because God has given you this moment. God has given you this moment. And in that, without a lot of shame or guilt, but with an intentionality that says, God, I'm going to remember why I'm doing this in the first place. I think for a lot of us is there's this uh, sense of self-worth that can be healthy but unhealthy with what we produce. And, and we don't understand exactly just how God sees us. It, it, recently, there's been a baby boom at uh, church. I don't know what you people have been up to, but there are a lot of babies. Uh, in fact, when we have child dedications in a few weeks, there's, uh, we're going to have to do them over multiple, multiple services. And people will come, you know, they have these sort of moments, this sort of, I don't know, like Simba moment where they show you this child. Look, isn't my child perfect? Which the answer is always yes. Uh, but, you know, and what, what is a child produced at that? Well, dirty diapers, uh, you know, spit up, sleepless nights, uh, all of that. They haven't done anything. They're loved because of who they are. And God would say the same thing about us. We're loved because of a decision he made to call us his children. See, your worth is bigger than your work. Work is important. Do well at it. But your worth is determined by, well, the value of anything is determined by the price someone's willing to pay for it. And Jesus gave his life that we could be redeemed, that we could be children of God. It says this, our last scripture says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. I think one of the uh, great ways to remember, and we're told in Scripture two ways, through baptism, that's a sort of a uh, one way we remember, but also through communion, that we would remember what Jesus has done for us. And we're going to participate in that together. We do it usually uh, last uh, last message in a series and that's what we're going to do today as we reflect on what 
Jesus has done for us. And that's where our worth is. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for each and every person here. God, I thank you that as we looked at the practicalities of of work, and God, I know there's a lot more wisdom out there uh, than I could give, but I thank you, God, that in your scripture you address so many of these issues. But God, that there's something underlying all of that. And what's underlying that is our understanding of who we are in you. And God, I pray for my friends who uh, maybe have never come to that place. And if that's you and you've never come to that place, that this would be your day, that you would say, Jesus, I invite you in my, into my life as the leader of my life, the forgiver of my sins, my, my savior, my creator. And I want that relationship with you. And, and if you say that to him, if you invite him in, the Bible says he will never cast us out most important decision you can ever make and God for the, there's some of us we've made that decision but we've wandered from that we felt like we you know have grown on to other things but really what we've just got, grown is a little bit cold in our faith God help us draw us back to you into that radical understanding that you are the author of life the perfecter of our faith but it began on a Roman cross where you paid the price for our sins that we could be forgiven, that we could be free. And so we do as you command, as you ask us to do, as we, we remember, as we receive communion together. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.